Lucy Loveridge has been working for Gleam, the leading digital first talent business, since 2012. She was probably the founder and CEO, Dom Smales, his first employee. She used to manage some of their top talent directly. She still does talk to the talent, but she's risen to a role of finding new talent. And we discuss Lucy's role in this week's edition of Rocket Fuel. One thing that can't be overstated enough is that when I had the business model for Gleam first explained to me by the CEO, Dom Smales, in a Pret-a-Manger on Oxford Street, I didn't fully get the business model. In fact, I wasn't really sure what it was he was going to be doing. You see, he was talking to me about advising two women with a hair and makeup channel about their relationship and dealings with the Heart Radio Network. But since then, Gleam have prospered. I've worked with them a number of times over the years, which is how I know Lucy rather well, and she's one of the influencer marketing, in fact, more broadly, marketing's good people. She's very straight down the line, there's no nonsense, and also, as I hope you discover during this chat, she's um, really, really good, fun to talk to. One thing I will say, and this is my fault, we tried a new piece of recording software, so there's some technical glitches that you might or might not be able to hear, so sorry about that. We've done our best to kind of get the flow of the conversation. We've gone back to our other recording uh, software for future episodes. So look, I'm James Erskine, presenter of the Rocket Fuel podcast. This week's person that's affected youth culture or youth marketing is Lucy Loveridge. She's global head of talent at Gleam. Why don't we get stuck in and find out about Lucy's journey? We'll discuss Gleam and Lucy's role within Gleam, and then we'll speak to Lucy Loveridge and get her Rocket Fuel. So, Lucy Loveridge, the first thing to say is thank you very much for being our guest on Rocket Fuel. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. So, the first section of this chat is to get to know you a bit better. Describe your journey to us, because you weren't always going to be this this talent manager extraordinaire. Was was, Was it a shock to end up where you've ended up? And how come you have ended up where you've ended up? Oh, definitely. I think... I mean, when I came out of school aged 18, this wasn't a job. So I could never have predicted that this would be what I would have en- ended up doing. Um, how did I get here? So I did a, a bachelor's degree at the University of Leeds in history, which I struggled through, not particularly loving history. Um, but I took that degree because I thought I'll just get something that, you know, is quite generic and I can do something more specific later down the line because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So putting um, off the decision, basically. Absolutely. Well done. <laughs> as long as possible. <laughs> um, got through that and started interning um, in kind of marketing and advertising roles and quickly ended up in an ad agency as an account exec. Um, I was up north at this point. So um, over the next few years, I basically made my way down south via multiple ad agencies um, over a few years um, and actually ended up in London working on the Tesco account um, for an agency just outside of London uh, in Hatfield doing kind of their customer experience, experiential marketing kind of um, stuff. Um, I was there six weeks. And I bumped into Dominic Smales at a party. Um, that party was actually organised by Dom. Dom is the CEO of Gleam Futures. Um, and at that point, it was really just him uh, working for the business. He had, you know, a, a couple of freelancers doing bits and pieces and an intern and 
things like that. But in terms of full-time employees, it was just Dom. Um, and I'd actually virtually got to know Dom um, over the course of maybe four or five years um, because I was blogging, um, which at the time was the equivalent of Instagramming now, I think. So, yeah. you know, there weren't that many people blogging. Um, and he used to send me shampoo to review. Um, and that was that's how we got to know one another. Now, you know, I know you both relatively well. And I've, I've never knew that. I think I knew yeah. that you blogged, but I didn't know that you met in that capacity where Don was trying to generate coverage. Yeah. That's it fascinating. Wasn't a, it wasn't a good blog, so that yeah. ended quickly. Um, <laughs> but it meant that when I did come down to London, I went to an event that Don was hosting on behalf of a brand. And uh, the Lean Machines, John from the Lean Machines, who are uh, now one of the talent on our roster, um, they were at this event as well. And um, it was kind of a bit of a networking moment. Wow. And he was just like, why have you moved to London and you're working for an agency that isn't even in London? Um, so I quit that job after six weeks and started working for Glean. How incredible. And at yeah. that stage, Glean were doing more social content weren't they than actual kind of talent management stuff yeah yeah so when it started in 2010 so that was two years before I got there and um in 2010 it was more about um connecting brands with online audiences so connecting them with um you know bloggers and youtubers and tweeters really at that point yeah um and by the time I got there he'd actually Dom had started representing some talent that he'd found through um through working with them in this way so it was kind of half and half by the time I got there in terms of managing talent but also doing branded content for um working with brands on their social content rather and a question that I often ask in this bit is have you a mentor or have you ever mentored anybody just on the men have you a mentor front have you looked for outside mentor and, and what's your relationship with Dom now is it as solid as it always was would you even describe him as a mentor in some way yeah I think to be honest it, I, I don't think your boss is supposed to be your mentor no. in terms of the the official way of working but um he very much is and has been mine for the last eight years um I have sought mentors outside of the business but it's really hard because I think when you're looking for a mentor, you typically go to somebody um, more experienced in your industry. And our industry is just so young. Yeah. Um, so there's a real, you know, there's a real lack of people who are doing it. Um, so it's, it's actually been quite hard to find somebody, but I would love one. Yeah. Um, what kind of people do you like to work with, Lucy? Is there a commonality to everybody that you love working with? Um, a, I mean, A, I love people. Mm. Um, but um what would I say probably honesty transparency ability to admit when they're wrong um I find it very hard to work with people if they're not those things because I just okay. don't know where I stand or what's going on <laughs> and what would you grand question what would you say that you're known for professionally um I think I'm probably known for my knowledge of the sort of talent landscape in terms mm. of digital first talent so they you know the team always take the mick out of me when a talent's name gets mentioned and I'm like oh yes I met those them three years ago at this event and they like this and they do this that kind of and that's both yeah. talent on your roster and talent in the bigger wider world as well yeah get you okay and are you any good at switching off <laughs> I feel like anybody in our boat's probably not very good at it um 
no, I'm not very good at switching off. Um, I recently had some 360 degree feedback, which was interesting. Um, and as part of that, uh, one of the criticisms was that I um, text everybody late at night, which is something that I absolutely must stop doing. <laughs> not Funny. OK. And in terms of, if you like, your role, I mean, it must be an all encompassing job. And your what? What's your title these days? Remind remind me of that. So I'm global head of talent, and that so, that, that must have evolved incredibly. I mean, just in terms of the way that Gleams evolved, evolved and, and changed, your role must have changed completely now. Yeah, yeah. So I think anybody who is a kind of original employee of a business never has a truly pure role in the way that um, kind of newer employees have a very well-defined role because it shifts so much over time um I think my 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 fundamental responsibility in the business is to run the talent management side of the business which in the UK is about half the business there's about 50 of us in London um and 10 in the US um so we've got an office in LA as well um and beyond running those kind of teams it's New talent acquisition is a big part of right. what I do still. Um, and then connecting dots across the business. So I'm, I'm involved in lots of things, finance, HR, strategy, those kind of things, marketing, um, which are less talent specific, but just come with the territory of having been there a long time. So section two is where we get to know our um, our guests' role, their, their business, and Gleam, we, we've already touched on kind of the scope of your role, Lucy, your, your global head of talent. What does that mean? Is it 3am phone calls with talent? Is it negotiations with brands? What, what's the scope of your day to day? Bring that to life for us. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to say it's very rarely 3am phone calls with talent anymore. Good. Um, uh, we're, we're quite lucky. Our talent are, are fairly um, diligent and kind of operate a mostly nine to five schedule like we do which really helps yeah um but no i mean we're fundamentally we're a talent business so everything does come back to them at some point um my team are amazing and they don't leave me much to deal with on a specific talent level um i occasionally get involved in strategy or you know i'll jump on the phone with the talent to discuss a specific project um but i'm trying to focus more widely on the business, how we can make the most of what we've got, be more efficient, find the best talent, offer better services. Um, that tends to be the majority of what makes it my day. But that isn't to say that I don't occasionally end up negotiating with a brand on the phone as well. So, and, you know. This... What makes a Gleam talent? Is there something unique to Gleam versus anybody else? Um, I think that they're all, um, this is very twee of me to say, but they're all nice. They all work incredibly hard. Um, they've got good engagement and they create great content. And when I say great content, that can be great in a, you know, a myriad of ways. That could be that it's hilarious content. It could be really high production level. Um, it could be um, just that they've got a really special connection with their audience. Um, so it, it's not necessarily one thing in terms of, what they all do I get asked loads like how many followers do, do I need to have to be signed to Gleam and I'm like it's kind of irrelevant we've got people with 15,000 followers and people with 10 million um 
it's just it doesn't really come down to the numbers. I would also argue, just knowing the business a little bit, that where you guys differentiate yourselves, I think Dom articulated this when I saw him many years ago. He he said that you're always thinking about your talent's pension. So so not literally, but it's often the long term future and the strategy around the talent that Gleam do so well. Would you, would you say that's one of your one of Gleam's big things, thinking long term, or and and what? A- yeah, I, I think that's a big reason about uh, of why talent are attracted to to Gleam because we, um, we're we not social media agents. So we're not just sat here doing the brand deal um, that appear on Instagram, quick cash, in the door, thank you very much. Um, we're trying to build long-term sustainable businesses for our talent um, where, wherever we can. So um, I feel like you were probably um, working with Dom at this point, James, when we did the deal for Pixie Woo with Real Techniques. Um, makeup brush brand which is that's been going on for 10 years now um and it's an enormous enormous global brand much bigger in fact than pixie woo in terms of its fame um at one point it was the other way around but now it's it's a much bigger brand than they are and that's kind of the dream scenario um of what we're trying to achieve for all of our talent and how have gleam evolved since you've been with them what do they do differently now what what have what's changed about the way the business operates um i mean fundamentally the basics hasn't changed in terms of how we manage talent i think it's a, obviously a much bigger business and where um we've seen a change in demand from talent and the market we've responded accordingly so we have divisions that didn't used to exist we've got titles who do um, book publishing mm. um, studios do branded content production solutions do like end-to-end influencer marketing campaigns so that's all been in response to kind of talent and market demand um, and that that has changed I think the core has remained very similar to what it was in 2010-2012. Um, what about you as an individual how have you grown with Gleam? <laughs> no um I mean I've that's a hard question I've I mean I've learned everything that I know yeah. <laughs> um and by doing it which I think is a big oh, we always say this you know if we've been we've been doing it 10 years we made all the mistakes eight years ago <laughs> um so we've learned a lot along the way um and that's all of us kind of muddling along and that's what happens I think when you're kind of um at the pioneering something yeah. which I very much feel like we were you point. were first and now your biggest is that fair to say yeah i think so in terms of what we do so in terms of being a talent management company for digital first talent yeah we're definitely the biggest and um now. do you see other talent management businesses i know there's some have like other agencies bolted onto them and things like that do you see them as competitors or or are you of the view that there's enough space where everybody can play how does that work I mean, there's definitely enough space. There are so many talent now um, that there's, yeah, there's definitely no issue in in terms of that. But yeah, we do have competition now. I think I remember when um, James Grant, um, now YMU, started their digital division, and we were like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Yeah. James Grant, who's got such a fantastic reputation for talent management, starting their digital division, 
this is real competition. And we've kind of we've seen people come and go over the years as well. Um, but yeah, there are loads of interesting talent management companies that we compete with now. And have you noticed changes in the wider business as it's got bigger, as more talent are coming into the market, as more players? How would you say the business has changed? I think that the the key thing is that there was a massive shift, which I think we're coming away from now, uh, towards um, data. Obviously, it's wonderful in this digital landscape that we've got access to data and we can utilise it so brilliantly. But I think that everybody obsessed over it to the point where everyone forgot that it was kind of about content and creativity and a relationship with an audience. Um, so our approach is kind of, yes, use the data, but keep focused on the on the content um, to make sure that it's good. Otherwise, everything just got a bit rubbish for a while content wise. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think we're coming out of that now, which is which is positive. Everything became quite direct responsey, didn't it? I mean, I'm all for having trackable links on content, but it's almost that shouldn't be the only metric of success. There needs to be a communications victory as well as a click through victory on stuff. Absolutely. It's not why people turn to Instagram or YouTube or TikTok for content. So it's got to offer more than that, I think. And in terms of that, let's bring it down to kind of marketing goals if you like do you think let's give it a term i know gleam don't but influencer marketing to use that that turn of phrase is mm-hmm. i mean should that sit it shouldn't sit in a direct response space it shouldn't sit in a media partnership space where, where do you see it fitting in the wider marketing mix or is that not massively a concern for for gleam and the, and the talent and the talent roster um, I think it matters to us because we want to ensure that it's considered um, properly uh, by marketeers when they're com- you know, coming up with their media plans um, or their communications plans, rather, for the next year. Yeah. Um, I do very much feel like it sits on its own line um, on a media plan, but it, it crosses over into other parts. I think that it's something we struggled with for a long time is that brands were the PRs within a brand held the relationship yeah. with an influencer, but then the media team sat separately, had all the budget, but had no relationship. And then you might have a comms person as well in the mix. And there was kind of no synergy whatsoever. Um, it was really challenging for, for a long time. So I think as long as it's been considered early doors in terms of planning, um, then I think we're okay. But we do care about okay. it. Um, I want to ask, if you like, a power of good and a kind of big question, and it's around social talent and the content they create and the campaigning or the political nature of it. There isn't that much politics within social talent's content, and I'm just wondering whether you see that changing, whether I just am not watching the right content. Um, (laughs) I just want to kind of touch on the power of good and how they use this influence and and whether there are any good examples of that. Um, Yeah, I do think I do think that there are plenty of talent doing it. I think it's very hard to do, um, which is why a lot of talent shy away from sharing views, whether political or um, or otherwise, because um the relationship with the audience means the audience will respond um so that can be quite difficult to handle but we have we have certainly have a few talent who are very vocal um 
in that kind of sphere. Uh, we've got uh, Mother Pucker, mm. who is um, campaigning for flexible working um, with a flex appeal campaign. Um, and she is very vocal um, does an awful lot. And in fact, quite a lot. Of, I mean, her, her brand, really, she's a journalist by um, broadcaster in terms of her background. Um, her brand is built around campaigning in a way. Um, and for flexible working so there are there are talent who are doing it but I think you've got to be very bold and very brave to be able to handle it. We discussed at the start about how your talent are all very nice and I do see that Um, (laughs) and actually it's quite funny isn't it because for the most part they're young people or certainly when when the for the most part when they first come to you they certainly are and nobody's very counterculture at Glean. Glean seems to me as though it's it's kind of like that niceness goes right the way through the talent and indeed the wider team. Would would you say that that's the case? And how disruptive do you think Gleam have been to use that kind of overused business term? <laughs> um, I do think they're nice. I do think that the talent are nice. It doesn't mean that they don't have interesting um, stuff. I wasn't say, saying they're two-dimensional, we... Lucy. <laughs> I was saying that they're nice and straight. Do you see what I mean? That there's, there's they... no one... You haven't got anyone that's, let's use an old-fashioned term, an emo. You haven't got a massive environmentalist. <laughs> <laughs> we've, um, we've, I mean, we started in the fashion and beauty um, arena, which is, so quite a lot of our talent are in the fashion and beauty space still because they're the sure. same talent that we worked with in 2012. Um, and naturally, they cover a certain topic. Um, but we, we actually, we've got a much more diverse roster than we yeah. used to have. So Gleam Titles, the publishing division, has really allowed us to kind of break out of um, our usual mould. Um, and the reason our mould, our usual mould is what it is, is because it's brand safe. Um, and that is something that um, across the whole roster, I would vouch for all of our talent being brand safe, which um, in recent years has become increasingly important to brands, of course. Um, but Gleam Titles means we've been signing talent who are a little bit more outspoken. They've got something to say and they're not um, they're not necessarily um, as restricted in sure. the same way. So that's that's been quite interesting. Uh, um, I was going to go yeah. the question on disruption. Yeah. Um, in terms of disruption, I think we were hugely disruptive at the beginning. Um, obviously, being sort of pioneering this in the UK, certainly. Obviously, there were the businesses in the US doing what we did. Um, but in the UK, we were. And then I think that there are various things that we've done throughout the years that we definitely see as being classed as um, somewhat disruptive. So things like you know, developing brands like Real Techniques and Tala with yeah. Grace Beverly, um, uh, that isn't something that kind of was expected. Um, and equally what we did in publishing, we did our first publishing deal in 2014 when nobody in publishing wanted to publish a book by a digital first talent um and they uh, we published Alfie Day's book in 2014 and it was um phenomenal in terms of sales results and we're still disrupting in that area I think it was yesterday Mrs Pinch's third book hit number one spot beating um David Williams and Hilary Mantle they're both such established yeah. authors um so kind of continuing to disrupt is really important uh, for us as well Definitely. Um, and be honest with me, when a talent leaves for whatever reason, does it upset you because everybody is so nice and you're one big happy family or that does it 
depend on the incident? Does it depend on what they're going on to do? <laughs> how how does it affect you? Um, it, I mean, it's different for different talent. Generally, it upsets me, yeah, because um, it is, it's still a family. It's a slightly bigger family than it once was, but I've got such personal relationships with talent. I think what I'm grateful for is that when talent do leave us, it's because they go on to do it themselves in-house. They're not leaving to go to a competitor, mm. which I think I would find a little bit harder. So I like to think, well, you know, we've got them to where we are and built them to this point where actually they, you know, they're able to hire people. Amazing. Um, and build their own teams. And that's fine. Um, but I do I do take it personally because I'm a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> and let, let's focus on that relationship with talent just for a second. I suppose kind of two things on this. One, a talent good at listening and then more widely, how reactive are you on behalf of your talent? So if if you wanted to adapt to a market trend, if suddenly all of your talent say, quick, I want a podcast, is that something you you do super quick or do you, do you always insist on the strategy coming before the pivot, if you like? Um, I would prefer the strategy to become uh, come before a um mm. a pivot or a, a something move. really yeah. reactive just because it's there's so many parts to a talent strategy that you change one thing then it kind of affects everything else so you would like to think you would plan it in but equally stuff happens and it's a very fast moving industry it changes every six months so there is stuff that crops up like yeah, TikTok. Sure. <laughs> it's a great example and actually during this coronavirus um period you know, half the roster have suddenly gone, oh my God, I want to start TikTok. What should I do? And then every talent manager has had to help their talent work out what content sits on there and how it fits in amongst everything else. So let's talk on. on that then, seeing as you brought it up. In terms of a content strategy, how rigid and how planned is it? I mean, and, and do you recommend different tones for the different social platforms? Does it vary by talent? How 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 organized how strategic and um, is there a kind of a, a silver bullet a, a winner takes all solution <laughs> I wish that'd be <laughs> so lovely um it, it really is talent by talent I know that's the classic answer that you're not mm. looking for um but um we we have really good relationships with the platforms so what we do know is what will work on different platforms so we'll coach the talent through that um, more that we're not you know we don't tell them what to do and what to say and where to put it necessarily but we will give them recommendations based on knowledge of the platform or what the platforms are prioritizing at that time um to try and make the most of any content that they're producing because to create content is you know it's yeah a job it's hard work so you've got to make sure that they're getting the most out of it if they're going to going so to do it two more questions in this bit and this is quite a challenging one lucy so feel free to fob me off or say shut up <laughs> if clean <laughs> would pride themselves on being a talent first business and that i understand and get let me challenge you if they're talent first are they brands last do you see what i'm saying does it mean that it's so talent first that then the brand has to dance to the talent's tune and there's do you see where i'm going i, to I totally see where you're going um i think that if we were brand last, we would have no business and the talent would have no business. So um, absolutely not that. I think being talent first means getting the best out of the talent um, for their benefit. So we will work 
very collaboratively and we will coach the talent also through working very collaboratively with the brand um, to get the best piece of content um, that serves both parties well. Obviously, we, we are, you know, we, we're a talent business. We, that's what, who we're here to, um, to work for fundamentally. Um, but that means doing a good job in brand partnership. Um, so I feel like we're, we're fairly good at creating win-win situations Get wherever you. possible. Okay. And then finally, we're, we're kind of, we're talking in week three of lockdown currently. Um, <laughs> how have you noticed any shifts in the sort of content talent are creating? Have you noticed any wider social trends? Have you, how are Gleam and how are your talent reacting to yeah, the current lockdown and the and the wider global situation. Well, I think the joy of this uh, business is that nothing really changes in terms of the talent creating their content because they pretty much they all create all of their content at home by themselves anyway. Um, you know, there's a few of them who might have a videographer occasionally and things like that, so that proved trickier. But for the most part, it's business as usual for them, which is which is brilliant. I think. Um, for those that were already creating sort of at home lifestyle content, actually, they're just finding that there's more people watching it and more people wanting it. So I don't know if anybody's clocked the sheer number of banana yep. breads being baked. Um, at Apparently, the moment. you can still <laughs> buy like bread that. already made. I've heard that rumour. But... <laughs> it's a vicious rumour. So, yeah, there's kind of uh, their business as usual. Uh, from from my perspective i think they they have all turned to tiktok um in a i don't know sure. a moment in, of boredom a moment of discovery what it is yeah um or excitement yeah a bit of a moment of discovery they're kind of they're more open to ideas at the moment um i was speaking to facebook yesterday and i just said if you you know if you've got anything that you want to float with any talent now is the moment because they're open to ideas in a way that they you know they might not usually be as open um, so that's great. Um, and we're, we're definitely seeing a lot more TikToks. Lucy, what's next for Gleam? What's next for the wider social talent industry marketplace? Um, I mean, next for us, we are just launching um, a division called Gleam Entertainment, uh, which represents uh, talent who are from a more traditional background, perhaps, but are digitally focused. So um, we, I don't think anybody saw this one coming, but um, we signed uh, the winner of Love Island, uh, the Winter Love Island series, Paige Turley, um, which I think was a surprise to the other people who were pitching. So talk we, to me, forgive me interrupting, uh, talk up. to me about that, um, because everybody says influencer marketing isn't about the winners of Love Island suddenly smiling with toothpaste on Instagram and and glean to me from an outsider's <laughs> perspective would always get people with genuine social talent now I'm sure what you're going to say is this was a this this will this is different because this winner of Love Island does have genuine social talent but I'm sh I never saw exactly as you've just articulated I never saw glean signing a Love Island winner no and I think for us um you know, there's always been one or two talent in each series where you're like, oh, actually, we could do something with you. We could do something really interesting. And um, you've come off a show and actually what you have got is a following and people care. They're, it's an engaged following, a really engaged following. Um, and Paige, in this instance, is actually a singer. Um, 
which you know we've we've got music talent on our books already we've done record deals we've done um, distribution deals musically so it's kind of like we absolutely can represent a talent like Paige um and so yeah well this is where this this um whole division came from is because we were getting approached by talent um who have a slightly more traditional yeah. basically a tv kind of background um and they wanted to be represented in the way that we represent talent um and they have a following so um Paige is one of those but we also rep oh, Nadia wow. Sawalha of Loose Women who is absolutely an absolutely prolific content creator, multiple YouTube videos a day, her and her family. Um, and um, E.L. Booker, who's a TV uh, personality. So, there's, you know, it's kind of it's interesting. They're all hugely uh, focused on digital, which is vital. So what's going to change with influencer marketing? If there's a trend, what's the trend? Well, I do think that um, this uh, current situation, the COVID situation, um, is going to force more marketeers to um, seriously consider influencer marketing in terms of what they're doing. I know there are a lot of big brands who've pulled a hell of a lot of money out of out of home um, and other, um, you know, uh, print um, at this time and are looking to place that into digital. So I do think that there will be a positive um, outcome for the sort of influencer marketing landscape as a result of that. I was there with you eight odd years ago, however many years ago it was, where people would roll their eyes at the amount that talent would cost. Now it's seen as probably the most cost effective channel, if one can call it that. Are there still brands that need educating? Are there still people that need educating? Does that still go on? Oh, absolutely. Multiple, multiple emails in, um, in our inboxes every day from people who want to um you know believe that just yep. sending a free product is payment um which was much more common when you and i were yep. you know doing deals in 2012 um but um it, it's a real mix now you know you've got people not wanting to pay at all people wanting to pay 100 pounds and people taking it much more seriously um i'm really glad to hear you say that it's um you you think it's one of the most cost effective um marketing methods but I absolutely agree and it should be so the final section of the interview um i'm still here with lucy from clean and the final bit is to find lucy's rocket fuel so these are kind of practical and actionable insights that our audience from youth culture youth marketing media that sort of space those sort of spaces can can apply to their day-to-day -day jobs so lucy first question is a broad one what do you know about young audiences and youth audiences? Okay, so what do we mean by young? I think uh, Gen Z are, I think they're better educated, uh, more worldly wise. Um, I think they're much better at tech and kind of everything syncs up for them in a way that some of us are good at that. So I'm 32. <laughs> I just had to check my own age there. Um, and I'm fairly techy, but lots of my friends aren't. Um, I think Gen Z are, are really savvy um, and cautious at the same time. I think they're kind of less um, yeah. less bubble wrapped than millennials were um, because they've, they've been through such a tough time in terms of kind of exposure to bad news in the world. I know, I mean, since 
I came out of university, we've basically been in a recession ever since. Um, and Gen, and Gen Z have grown up in that. And you're t- um, it's funny because you're exposed yeah. to, if you like, that, that Gen Z audience, both with the way the audiences react to your talent roster's content, but also with your talent roster themselves. And the one thing that's true, I think, with most social content creators and certainly some of the glean talent that I'm aware of is they're pretty entrepreneurial. And I think that could be argued to be another thing that falls into your sensible, cautious, not bubble wrapped kind of bit. Yeah, absolutely. We've definitely got, um, I mean, anybody who's creating content is entrepreneurial in their own way, but even within our roster, we've got entrepreneurs um, in their own right. We live in an age where you can't leave a marketing meeting and certainly not a marketing chat without talking about brand purpose. And with regard to that and through the prism of that, what do you think's important to young audiences? I think transparency is not just important, but imperative. Um, and I do also think now that brands expect, uh, not brands, uh, Gen Z expect that brands are doing good things in the world. And, um, and I'm not sure that's just a response to the absolute state of the world at the moment. Um, but there are some brands who do that phenomenally well and are therefore and well liked. I, I suppose we nearly got through a conversation that mentioned influencer marketing without mentioning the ASA and guidelines and stuff like that. There's kind of, you mean transparency <laughs> in all different ways. So you mean transparency in the fact that broadly you you agree and support the ASA guidelines and the other guidelines applicable, but also what brands are doing behind the scenes. So they can't appear to be doing one thing and then doing something else. Absolutely. And I meant more the latter there. Um, I think I think uh, any brand that admits when they've done something wrong um, or they say, yeah, that's not ideal. We see the problem with that. and We're going to change it. I think that is very so much respected. We've seen over the last, Gen-Z. let's say, six months, TikTok go from that strange thing that kids do to becoming pretty mainstream. And you've mentioned it already in terms of your talent going on a discovery journey whilst we're in the current situation. What, what will change next with young people? How will they behave differently, do you foresee? But if, if experience can teach you anything, Lucy, what might change? Um, they, they will continue to adapt. So TikTok, yes, you're quite right, is the current hot platform of choice. Um, but that will change. Um, I'm not suggesting for a moment that TikTok is going anywhere because I believe that they are um, absolutely here to stay, but there will be new platforms. Final kind of silly question. How many people approach you in the street um, and ask to be represented by Glean? And also, how many people still ask you how much is it to work with Zoella? And do you give them the answer straight away? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nobody approaches me in the street, thank goodness. Um, But lots of approaches from talent who want to be represented and I say keep them coming. So that was Lucy Loveridge, Global Head of Talent at Gleam. She's Lucy Loveridge across all socials. You can find her on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Gleam Futures are still on the ascendancy. They're still rising. They opened offices in Australia not that long ago. So they're they're broadening which territories they're in. I hope the technical... uh, mess ups weren't too obvious in that be sure to share this podcast with anybody that you think would get something from it and um, see you for next week's episode of rocket fuel
This is a Rocket Audio production.